Good morning. I am Ryan Jacobson. Um, I get to be the missions director here at Alamo Heights, and I rather enjoy doing that. We have been going through a series on hospitality here. In the first week, we learned what it is for God to make space for us and welcome in, us into his story through the creation. Week two, we talked about how the cross itself was an act and an invitation of hospitality, welcoming us again into the story of God. In week three, we talked about Abraham offering hospitality to three men that happen upon his tent as he's in a conversation with God. And this week, we move into the Gospel of Luke. We will be discussing the story of Martha and Mary today, which is found at the end of Luke chapter 10. But I want to set the stage a little bit and start at the end of Luke 9. At the end of Luke 9, it says that Jesus set his, face, set his face resolutely to go to Jerusalem. For this gospel in Luke, his time in the Galilee is done, and it's time for him to start moving towards Jerusalem and moving towards what it is that he needs to do there. As he sets out on this road, in the beginning, he sends his uh, disciples ahead of him. He sends them into a Samaritan village and tells them to get uh, space ready for him to stay as he's on his way. As the disciples go into the Samaritan village, they are not welcomed. James and John eventually ask Jesus if, they, if Jesus wants them to call down fire from heaven to destroy the city. Jesus fortunately rebukes them, and they just move along to another village. As he continues his journey, Jesus appoints then 72 of his disciples to go ahead of him, to go into the towns and villages where he's about to go, and to prepare places for him. If the town receives the disciples, the disciples are to eat what is offered, drink what is offered, stay in the shelter that's offered, and not just give them their peace. If the town is unwelcoming, the people are just to move on. The disciples do have a message for each of these cities. For the cities that welcome them, the disciples' message is, the kingdom of heaven has come near to you. For the cities that don't welcome them, the message is, the kingdom of heaven has come near to you. Whether the town is inviting and welcoming or not, the message is the same. It's an invitation into the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom is here, and these towns, and we can join it. We can join into this divine flow of love and healing and generosity and gratitude. Jesus does, however, also offer a warning for these unwelcoming towns. He says that it will be more bearable on the day to come for Sodom than it is for these inhospitable towns. Which brings us to an interesting side note. Last week we talked about Abraham and the three men that came to his tent. Abraham gives them a feast and then sees them on their way. Where they're going next is actually Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know what happens in that story. The men get to Sodom and Gomorrah, and the people of Sodom and Gomorrah decide that they'd rather assault the men than welcome them in. Lot and his family end up harboring these people, and because of that, Lot and his family escape as Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed. It's commonly thought that the primary sin of Sodom is sexual immorality. But the Bible does have an alternate explanation to that. In Ezekiel 16, you find a verse that says that the sin of Sodom was that the people lived in pride and vanity and arrogance. They had an abundance of food and money and other resources, but they did nothing to offer them to those that needed them. Ancient commentaries talk about Sodom and Gomorrah being so inhospitable that they actually made laws 
prohibiting their residents to offer any kind of aid to a traveler. And any time the ancient rabbis talk about the sin of Sodom, they talk about inhospitality. And so Jesus calls this image to mind. He says that the city that was destroyed because of its inhospitality is going to have an easier day than these small towns of the Galilee. We do have to remember, though, that the invitation was still there. The offer of the kingdom of heaven was made. And so Jesus continues on his way to Jerusalem. As he's walking along, he's asked by an expert in the Torah, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, as any good rabbi does, uh, turns the question back and says, how do you read it? Of course, the answer is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. To love your neighbor as yourself. The expert in the Torah isn't done yet, and he wants a further explanation, and he says, who is my neighbor? To which Jesus responds with the parable of the Good Samaritan. This story, the Good Samaritan, teaches us that we find aid in unlikely places. That we find aid from unlikely people with unlikely generosity. The story of the Good Samaritan establishes that our neighbors are not limited to those people that we feel comfortable with. But that sometimes our neighbors are the very people that we hate. And sometimes these people that we hate do offer us aid and we're to do the same for them. Jesus even tells this expert that he has to actually go and do like the Samaritan does and offer the act of love, not just talking about it. And so with this stage set, we finally come to today's verses. Again, found at the end of Luke 10. These are verses 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, so she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you were worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. This is a story of God told for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this particular story comes after a series of events that all have to do with hospitality, with neighborliness. Jesus and his disciples are all welcomed into the home of Martha, where Martha promptly gets to work to feed them, to make a place for them. Martha is hospitable by nature. She wants her, her guests to feel at home. Mary, however, promptly sits down on the floor at the feet of Jesus. She has absolutely no compulsion to help Martha create a welcoming environment for Jesus. And not only this, when Martha asks the man in the room with the ability to set Mary straight, he says that Mary actually made the better choice. So we need a little bit of cultural context. The ancient rabbis had a blessing that they would often give to people that they visited. They would say, let your home be a meeting place for the great sages, for the great rabbis, and may you sit among the dust of their feet. To take place, to take a place at the feet of a rabbi was to take a position of discipleship. In the context of first century Israel, this is a place that's only for men. Martha is concerned with the societal norms, while Mary is just taking the opportunity to sit at the feet of her rabbi. While we may not think that this is something that's so out of the ordinary, 
To affirm this position as Jesus does for Mary is something that was revolutionary at the time. It was to say that the typical gender stereotypes of women's work and men's work don't apply here. The story tells us that typical social conventions about who belongs where has no bearing on who gets to sit at the feet of the rabbi. All people are welcome there. But there is still something strange going on here. Why is the hospitality of Martha relegated to second status? We've been learning that hospitality and providing food and water and shelter to people is a good thing. So why is Martha's decision the worse? Why is it that Mary's decision to sit and listen is better? We know that hospitality is certainly about making space for friends and family to bring them into our lives. But sometimes hospitality is also about receiving what it is the guest has to offer you. One of the commentaries I read this week says that all of Martha's distracted actions neglected to take into account what Jesus may have offered her. Jesus does not reprimand Martha for what she is doing, but he says to her, Martha, Martha. He addresses her by saying her name twice. And because we all here are obviously very good biblical Hebrew uh, studies, studiers, this makes us ask, who else did God address by name twice? We do a quick search and we find that we can learn a little something from these stories. The first is Abraham, Abraham. As Abraham's about to bring the knife down on his son, he's stopped by an angel of the Lord who provides a different offering and then repeats an invitation to Abraham to make him a great nation, a nation that will bless all the other nations. Next, we see Jacob, Jacob. Jacob's about to depart his home in Israel and go down to Egypt at the invitation of his son. And God affirms that this invitation is a good one, that God will be with him in Egypt, and that he will make his family great. We also have Moses, Moses. As Moses is wandering through the wilderness, tending to his father-in-law's flocks, God speaks to him from the burning bush. God invites him to return to Egypt and to return to his calling of taking his people out of slavery. Each of these stories has an invitation to commune with God, and then a calling to go forward and to fulfill. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you were worried and distracted by many things, but only one thing is needed. Come and sit at my feet. Spend some time listening to what I have to offer, and we will get to what must be done. I think that Jesus is inviting Martha into more of a life of discipleship. He's inviting her into a posture of listening and learning from the rabbi that can make her calling better known. Her desire to be hospitable is good, but a word from Jesus can inform that desire, and her distraction can become something more like divine action. In this series of events events in the Gospel of Luke, the message remains the same throughout. The kingdom of heaven is near. The welcoming of the guests and the care of our neighbors are ways in which we participate in this kingdom. Each of these stories carries with it an invitation into a life with God and service and hospitality and love. We, like Martha, are often distracted and worried about many things. We worry about house payments and other bills and children and how to spend time with family and friends and how to get enough time to ourselves and oil changes and all this stuff. But often we don't take just a moment to sit at the feet of our rabbi. We don't take the moments to sit 
and listen and hope for an invitation and for a calling. So today we are actually going to take a moment to do just this. I don't think they handed them out this time, but there's some brochures in the back at the end if you want them on what we're about to do. This is called Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina means divine reading. I'm going to read a verse to you four times, and after each of these four times, I'm going to ask you to focus on something from the verse, and we'll take a few minutes to reflect on it. I will be reading from Matthew 25, 37 through 40, if you want to read along. The first time we read it, I want you to focus on the whole verse and what this verse does for you, what it makes you think and feel. In the second reading, I want you to listen for one phrase or one word and what that phrase and word brings up in you emotionally. In the third reading, I want you to reflect on how you might respond to this word. Does it inspire some kind of action or some kind of prayer? In the fourth reading, we will sit with it with gratitude for the word that's been revealed, and we'll take a minute to rest. So again, Matthew 25, 37 through 40, this first time that we read it, we'll take a minute to think about this whole verse. Then the righteous will answer him. Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? When was it that we saw you a stranger and we welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. In this second reading, concentrate on one word or one phrase that speaks to you. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? When was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? When was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me.
this third reading, we focus on what it is that we might do in response. Then the righteous will answer him. Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick, or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these, who are members of my family, you did it to me. And in this fourth reading, we rest in the word that we have received. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, Just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. And so, Father, we thank you for who you are and for the fact that you actually speak to us and that you offer us invitation into your life and calling and purpose. We bless you, Father, for who you've made us to be. We ask you to help us to sit and listen every once in a while, to help us get out of what we're distracted by and what we're worried about. Just take a moment at your feet. We love you, Father. We love who you've created us to be. In your name we pray. Amen.